Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit that notification bell to never miss an episode. Uh, on today's podcast episode, we're taking a look at the topic that touches many, uh, yet is often, it's, it's not spoken about uh, and is left in the shadows of our healing journeys. We're talking about the reality of unmet expectations or the delusionment that can come with it. Uh, whenever you're navigating the ups and downs of personal growth or grappling with the challenges of mental health or, or walking a path of toxic relationships, there can be disillusionment. There can be expectations that just aren't meant uh, or met rather. And, and that means this episode is for you. Uh, we live in a world that it, it sells that narrative that things can be quick fixes, that there can be uh, instant transformation. Um, but what do you do? What happens when your reality doesn't meet those expectations? When the steps we take towards healing uh, don't seem to lead us where we thought that they would. Uh, it's, in, it's in moments like that that we might find ourselves facing the disillusionment or feeling that we can be uh, uh, feeling disheartened uh, or disoriented. But here's the beautiful truth. And we're going to explore these concepts today. These moments of disillusionment, these moments of disorientation that can freeze you, they're as challenging as they are. They hold within them powerful seeds of growth uh, that can lead to understanding and, and eventually to healing. Our guest today is Amber Jones. She's the president and founder of Grace Story Ministries, and we have her here uh, today. She's going to help us unpack what it means to navigate these experiences. We're going to discuss how to set realistic goals, uh, practice self-compassion. Uh, we're going to talk about finding strength in our faith uh, and finding strength in our community. So wherever you're listening from, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, and Amber, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Great Story Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Nate. And I always love to be able to share a conversation with you and our listeners. Yeah, we uh, we always have something where we're you and I are talking and we're like, hmm, this would have been a good episode. <laughs> we should have recorded that. Yeah. <laughs> so this concept of yeah. being disillusioned or uh, having your expectations not met in a relationship or in a healing journey, um, we want to talk about that today. Uh, and so not to put you on the spot, but there is a question I just want to, and it's really open-ended, I know, but I want to put it out there for, for us to just kind of make this, it, it is a little bit personal. Um, some of this has happened yeah. in my journey. Some of this happened in yours, but here's a question I want to start with today and I'll throw it over to you. What, what maybe were your initial expectations about your healing journey, Amber's healing journey? Yeah. Well, to be very, very honest, when I started this, the deep dive into childhood trauma work, let's see, it's going on about 13 years now that I've been doing this, this journey of restoration in my own life um, with the Holy Spirit's help. But starting out, I just kind of thought it would actually change my personality, that I would go from stubborn, 
um, strong-willed, you know, and I just become, if I did enough work, I wouldn't be all of those things that I had been told growing up. And I would be um, kind of just a little bit more quiet, holy, submissive, stereotyped holy. Um, And that would be me if I could just pay enough money, do enough hours, do the time. And I would become one of those quiet, just people that everybody just loves and cherishes. And I would be that person that I had made up in my mind that that's who they were. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. How's that going? So for you? Yeah. that didn't. <laughs> so 13 years later, um, <laughs> no, what I'm realizing though, the farther I go in this and, and it didn't take me long to realize that that was not the goal of, of doing the work, but 13 years in, I am being able to now look back and see how God has taken those messages that I heard about myself that made me think that quiet, submissive, holy, um, you know, just kind of roll with the punches kind of personality would, would be the better option that God could better use a person like that. Um, and seeing how he's redeemed my personality, restored me into himself and his likeness. He softened the edges for sure. Um, and he has taught me how to love people. And so he's kind of taken down the iron wall, so to speak, that was in my life from just surviving and keeping people at a distance. And so he softened those parts of me that at might've been the passive aggressive queen or the, uh, you know, able to just do a really good sarcastic jab. Um, and so I still enjoy sarcastic humor. But I understand the difference between trying to make a point through it and enjoying it. Um, so he's taken those parts of me that I thought were bad and he's redeemed them into himself. And that has allowed me to start seeing he actually made me for a purpose. Grace Story is here because I was resilient, because I was willing to um, maybe speak to the hard things um, and and to be able to think positively and hopeful, even in something that would be really hard. Yeah, I hear you. And I mean, it doesn't mean as we're talking today, I understand that we're talking about this because in the not so recent distant past, what have you, like disillusionment or unexpected expectations or unmet expectations rather are a reality uh, for, for each of our individual journeys. But I want to, let's throw back and forth. Um, I I think I want to bring in some of the other situations that people might find themselves in where they might have unmet expectations, what comes to mind. And and as you think of them too, throw them out, like maybe a survivor of trauma, um, realizing that, you know, you go to counseling, the process of therapy is not rapid healing. It's, it's much slower. It's more complex. Um, addiction. Someone struggling with addiction um, after, you know, you've got that sobriety under your belt. All of a sudden you face, you face a relapse. Um, you've, there's a disillusionment. There's yeah. failure. I think of um, an individual that may, that's like seeking uh, 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 therapy or relationship counseling. And they walk in that couple together and they enter counseling to resolve their relationship issues, expecting there to be some quick 
tangible, like we're doing this. We both want to do this. And so then you realize, oh, we're discovering that this is deep rooted. These are deep rooted problems and they're going to require effort and time to heal. Disillusionment. Um, I can think of a few more, but any come to uh, your, your mind over there. Yeah. We have so many friends in our Grace Story community and um, their stories come to mind, their faces, their, their, who they are as individuals come to mind. And that's one thing that we walk a fine line of in our Grace Story community. Like a lot of organizations will use stories to promote their work, right? Because it helps put a face to the work. And that's something we don't often do because their stories are their own. But we have so many people that do have, that walk this road where they had cancer and they went and they started doing a ministry out of that with those people and here their cancer comes up again to haunt them. And they think, you know, I I thought I did my time on that. I learned my lesson. And now here I find myself again, um, having to relive, you know, the same story. And haven't I already looked at this? Haven't I already learned the lesson of the hardship that I was supposed to learn. Um, there are there are stories of marriages that didn't turn out the way they wanted. There are people that um, are still longing for a relationship with their children um, because now they're doing the work there to restore who they are and and to you know humble themselves before God to get that story straight about something maybe they did as a parent, but it's not working out like they thought it would. Um, And so I think those are those times where we have to um, really look at the, with honesty, because Nate, like truthfully, when we're doing the work and we're leaning into this process and we see blessing, what we perceive as blessing happening over, you know, our, our gracery community is tight and we see, you know, so-and-so across the aisle. So, you know, proverbial aisle is their family's finding healing, their family is doing it, their marriage has been restored. Like, what am I not doing right yet? What what can I do that shows more sincerity? Um, do I have to, you know, do I switch counselors? Do it how do I how do I get that too? And I think that's what we're talking about here today is when we look across the aisle and we think, well, I'm gonna be so happy for them and I'm not gonna tell anybody, but inside I'm dying. And they did the work and now they're pregnant, but I still don't have a baby or, you know, and the stories go on and on. How do we be happy? How do we be grateful and joyful and celebrate the wins when we don't feel like we have the wins happening in our own story? So you just hit on something there that I, I think, uh, how do you say, I think if, if some of us were more honest, we would uh, actually cop to, yeah, I felt jealousy on other people's, uh, you know, they, their healing journey. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they actually set out and they prayed about something and it seemed like that's impossible. They got a miracle. I want one. Um, a miracle. But then you're like, yeah. oh, yay. I'm, it's like sitting around at a birthday party and they open the very thing that you wanted and you're like, I'm happy for you. I, <laughs> oh. I wish I had a gift bag. So great story about that. Um, so you know, this is a safe place, but there was one year, yeah, it's just a few us years and ago. 1500 of our closest <laughs> friends listening. That's <laughs> ah, this is so great though. Um, talk about the most sexist Christmas I ever had. All right. 
and Darren and his family always still get a joke out of this. But there was one year that I decided I thought it'd be really fun to get a handgun and do concealed weapons and do all the things. And we live out on a farm, so we're in the middle of nowhere. It's fine. Everything's safe. But that year, people started looking into it. They decided, yeah, this is actually really great. I think four other guys in our family, Darren's family, got guns and I got a $400 Vitamix blender like they use at Starbucks with the extra attachments to grind your own flour. So talking about unmet expectations, (laughs) I still don't have a handgun. So anyone out there who wants to start a GoFundMe account for my handgun. But no, there are that I remember sitting there at that Christmas, though, thinking I should be really grateful for this blender. I did want it, but I it's not what I asked for. It's not what I was hoping for. And it's been very useful and I have enjoyed having it. And I've learned how to make some really great smoothies, (laughs) but it wasn't the handgun that I asked for. Years later, I'm actually okay. I'm okay without the handgun, but I will tell you that one stung for a while because I thought, man, did they really see me? Do they really know? Like what? I mean, you know, and that's just a trivial, really all is good on that front. But I think it's a good analogy when we look at what we're asking, we're asking God praying for this thing, ask specifically in my name, right? Like we're supposed to be really like entrusting with faith, believing that he's going to give and give abundantly. And it doesn't come and it doesn't happen. And Nate, you and I, you know, you're my, like what I call my big little brother, right? Because you're bigger than me. I love your bear hugs. We come from a family history where we, when I started Grace Story, I started with the hope that people would see the family restoration, that people would see how much hope can come when we do our work and the formula works. But individuals have to still choose the path as well. And sometimes that looks different than what we had expected or what we had hoped for. And that doesn't mean abandonment by God. That means that people still have free will. They still get to choose. They still get to process in their own time and their way. And we cannot possibly understand the bigness of God's grace that allows the freedom to choose him. And that goes for us and that goes for the people in our lives that we feel have harmed us or that aren't keeping up with the healing journey or that we wish this for them so badly we want to say the right thing. God's grace is so big, so abundantly and clearly currently at work. It just sometimes we can't see it because of that that foggy lens that we've put up because our expectations are bigger to us than our God. Yeah. I, I, I think with some of what you're saying there on, on, you know, someone managing their feelings of, of, well, let's just name it for what it is. Jealousy. When you see others achieving resolution in their, some of it may seemingly be, but you maybe let's say it for what we see the perspective achieving yeah. resolution in their relationships and then you're sitting there struggling to find your own breakthrough on either a family dynamic or a relationship 
or maybe physical. physical, maybe you're walking through one of your, one of those, those parents we have so much compassion for that's working through postpartum depression, or you're a young adult right. navigating uh, who you are in the world, or, you know, you're a veteran dealing with PTSD, you're grieving all sorts of different ways to go with this. Right. I think something that's been right. helpful for me, and I'm no professional here, put that out there, name what you're feeling. It's okay to be right. human. You're feeling it, name it. Also, one thing that's been helpful for me is recognizing that I am not, my identity is not in what I'm feeling. It's not in the emotion. I'm not bad for feeling that. That's just something I'm feeling that is kind of like a flare going up from a certain part of me saying, a little attention here, please. Yeah. And our counseling partners would so often share that, that this is something where we hold without judgment. We hold with curiosity and our feelings are information, but our feelings are not our compass. Mm -hmm. So we acknowledge those emotions and we give them the names that they just, that they really are. And we don't say, well, it can't be jealousy because, um, that's, that's, you know, akin to hate in the Bible and, and murder. And I don't want them to die. Um, well, but also, no, I'm just kidding. But you know, where you're like, I, I don't know. We acknowledge the emotions that are at play while we also lean into the truth of God's word and the safe community that he's given to tangibly represent him in our lives. Um, so that even when we're in this vortex of shame or sorrow or sadness or grief or isolation, we're able to hold on, talk about holding hope, we're essentially saying I'm holding on to trust even when I can't see and that's faith. Yeah. So what you're talking, it reminds me of there's an Elizabeth Elliot uh, quote where she says the secret and everybody loves that. Like, oh yes. What's the Ooh. secret? Tell me. Uh, the, secret, <laughs> Tell me the secret, according to Elizabeth Elliot, uh, the secret is Christ in me not me in a different set of circumstances. Boom. And that's not to like, I don't expect anybody once they've heard that to be like, I feel better. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's just Christ. And no, now this is hard. This is hard. Yeah. I, and I, I think I want to go in our conversation here to talking briefly, cause it could be its own episode exploring kind of some of those psychological, the um, social spiritual factors that contribute to unmet expectations. And that's one of them is this like, um, well, twofold faith in miraculous change. I, I, I grew up with that yep. and I'm not saying yep. it doesn't happen. Um, I, yep. in fact, I want to believe and do believe it does happen. And I really like for it to happen in some situations I'm dealing with. And then a couple yep. that was spiritual bypassing so let's talk about faith and miraculous change and how that can, I feel like it's pretty obvious how it could, you know, contribute to unmet expectations when you're like, well, you already mentioned some of it. I prayed for this. And so it's going to happen because for, in order for it to happen, I have to have praying, faith, believing. So some individuals might, they might expect that instant healing or miraculous change just based on that faith and their religious beliefs. While, while that's incredibly supportive um, it may not align with what is often yeah. a gradual nature, a gradual nature of healing. Um, yeah, I mean, by its very nature, miracles are 
Outliers. And if you uh, if you're yeah. if you skin your knee and all of a sudden it's better, you're like, wow, that's a miracle. But when it actually takes its natural course and heals over a week and a half, you're like, okay, well that was that was expected, <laughs> you know. So that point, what's expected, what's not, what are you actually? Not that we should all be these super negative realist eors out there. Well, change is gonna happen when it's gonna happen. And it's probably never gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, what what a great quote. Let's put that one out on on Instagram for change is gonna happen. It might not happen. I don't know if it's ever gonna happen. Real inspirational, I know. Uh, can you think of any <laughs> exactly? Can you think of any other like now that we're going down this trail? Any other like spiritual factors or social factors, psychological factors that can contribute to this? Because I want to name them. I want to put them out there so people are like. Yes, I recognize that is contributing to my expectation that things are going to change or that someone, that person is going to get better. If I could, they would just do this, then everything would fall in the line. And this septic, toxic situation I'm a part of, we could move forward, but I'm just stuck and I expect change and it's not going to happen. What are some of those factors for you that you see are, are contributing to that? I think sometimes we get hope confused with utopia. Right. That hope is going to be when we will finally have like our hope is in something that is everything is going to be all right. And now I have that song going through every little thing. Um, But is is it really? And I like this story. Um, I shared it at conference about Vivian, who is my eight year old, very full of life, little girl. And um, also very, very much of a shoot straight from the hip, tell you like it is kind of person. And um, we, she's been struggling with reading. She has some dyslexia. And so it's just not, it's not, we're spending too long on this, right? This right reading thing isn't working out. Let's move on to some fun things like puppies. And so one day she did really well. And I was like, wow, um, you know, you're doing really good. And she's like, yeah, this is taking too long or whatever. And I said, but Viv, you can do this. Like, this is something you can do. And she's like, mm, I'm just not really cut out for this. And I was like, no, but you are, you're, you absolutely, you're smart. You're cut out for this. And she said, well, I'm not cut out for this much of this then. Um, <laughs> and I think that there <laughs> I think that there are times, though, when we think that maybe we have been grossly mis, um, like that God has grossly misunderstood how much we can take or how strong we are. And are we really cut out for this journey of restoration? Because when we look back, it kind of seems like it was easier before. Yeah, it was inconvenient. Things were off. But man, at least we all knew our roles Mm -hmm. and we were somehow getting along we were glossing over the stories with humor yeah you could you could talk about it funnily and people wouldn't get their feelings hurt my goodness why why do they have to act like (laughs) right and so then now when we go to get the story straight now all of those old things are bubbling up and we think how long are we going to sit in this mess isn't there is there a stomping point where we can just move on and I think if we go back to Exodus, when God is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and he's taking them into this wilderness journey and this refining process, that's really where we start getting a glimpse into how God works. God is consistent. 
right? His character is constant. We can depend on who he is. So the stories of the Bible, he doesn't necessarily just give us a black and white how-to guidebook to, you know, becoming restored in Christ. But does he? He tells us stories, which is how we learn and how we remember. And if we look at this story, we see that it's that refining process of being in the desert where God himself is bringing the children of Israel into this promise, this beautiful forever blessing of being his chosen people. And, and he's going he's gonna to bless them huge. But it comes at, at, a, at a cost. And in what feels like the forgotten wasteland, He's refining them. He's he's stripping away those old ways of thinking. He's helping things bubble to the surface where they see, oh, well, if God doesn't answer me right now, we'll just make our own God. We can do this. We're very can-do people. We can make this happen, right? We, we know some gods from Egypt. We can hold those up. We'll serve them again. And it's a refining process, and I think we find that in our own lives when God is bringing us through the waiting where it feels like, hey, he who started a good work in me got sidetracked and forgot to finish. He started this work. He had good plans, plans to prosper and not to harm me, but um, is he on his lunch break? Did he go on spring break? How long is it until he comes back to finish that good work? And what we don't realize is he does not still He is still working on us. He does not quit. He is in real time shaping and guiding and pulling us into himself to grow us into himself. What what I'm hearing from you is this, this, uh, this line, this through line of, of, uh, of healing. Um, and some, I feel like a lot of it's just like kind of suffering away. Like why would we post a, a, a reel to Instagram uh, today we're recording this where Ryan's talking on the gray story stage about why would you put yourself back through this just terribleness? Well, here's the reason why. So if you want to know the answer to Ryan, go over to gray story ministries on, on Instagram, little plug there and check out the latest reels and share those. But it's, it's this through line of healing, the suffering that goes with it. It's, it's more complex. It's, it's nonlinear. It's not like, here is the way, and it's a straight line, and obviously the closest place between this line, this point A and point B, is a straight line. Let's go there. Uh, that's not how it is. Yeah. I also hear from you. It kind of, kind of, some of what you've said is stuck on or, or touched on some of this. Um, maybe the community influence aspect of uh, like groups that we're in, where it might be. Um, Like, this is what happens when you do this, kind of almost like karma, but let's not call it karma, but like you did this, so this is what you have to live in for the rest of your life now. Healing isn't for you this side of eternity, so you better get used to it. Almost this doctrine of suffering of, and I know this is all rabbit trail, I got to bring it back, but like you, this is going to make the refining fire. This is what's going to make it good. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's elements of truth all the way through that. Please, if you have any misunderstanding of what I'm saying, Nate at RestoringMinistry.com. Uh, I'd love to clarify anything <laughs> that you have there. But I think even that, let's switch it over to secular, like the the social conditioning there of societal norms, narratives, uh, narratives about success, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, these types of things are the American dream. And 
I'm a Patriots Patriot. I love all that. I also have some things like, what does that actually mean? But like there's, there are in fact societal <laughs> conditionings, norms of this isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't how, Yeah. this isn't utopia to your point. Yeah. What is hope if it's not all these great things? There's also the, I hear uh, another thing um, that you, you've been talking through is the previous experiences. Like yeah. this is the, this is my ex- expectation for healing. Um, either I might be overly optimistic, like, yeah, rapid healing resolution. Boom. Here we go. Five sessions instead of six. Let's go. Yeah. Or, you know, pessimistic, like, of course this happened to me. This always happens to me. I don't even know if there's improvement possible because that person doesn't even seem, hello, am I, am I alive? Yeah. Like, I think there's yeah. all those, that's what we're talking about as we go down the rabbit trail of, or the point rather with rabbit trails of the exploration of these, these things that contribute to those unmet expectations. Yeah. Kurt Thompson shares in his book, Anatomy of the Soul, um, this great quote, it says to love God with all of our mind is to engage our entire memory not limited parts of it. It is about remembering our past and anticipating our future. So holding hope is not some mindless, like trendy thing to say. It's really something that God is asking us in his word to, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, with all that we are. It's, it's giving that space to him and saying, do what you will, because I so trust you that I'm willing to rest in this journey of restoration into becoming who you are. But that means we do have to take a look at where we came from. And that, I mean, again, back to the Old Testament, God asked them to put up remembrance, stones of remembrance, so that your children and your children's children. And what we're doing right now with Grace Story Conference, when men and women are coming in May and November, they're changing legacies and they're planting those moments where they're saying, I made this moment. I made this milestone, held up this Ebenezer, right? As Kathy Sprinkle said this last year at men's conference. And that was my, my statement of trust, even when I'm still figuring out what it looks like as we go. Yeah. What you're talking about is uh, the great story conference. Men is first weekend of May and uh, women is first weekend of November every year. Uh, you can go to GraceStoryMinistries.com for more on those uh, or messages. Um, and I want to I want to go into some of the strategies for coping or reframing or whatever you want to call it for this because I think there are some things. And again, I'm not a professional. I'm just a registered nurse. And Amber, you know, you're not a professional. You just you know run a I'm nonprofit. A, I'm a friend on the journey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but we we really aren't professionals with this. So there, one of the things that we would say, and it's in there, is seek professional help. Um, we recognize that that yeah. is licensed professional counselors, things like that. Um, but yeah. to segue into some of those, I want to ask you this question, um, and, and maybe have you answer it. How do you balance kind of the acceptance of your current situation with that desire for change or healing? How do you accept the reality of the situation while also being uh, fully aware that you expect and hope for something completely different? Yeah. I think that this is a question that many of our listeners will want to know the answer to. Um, I think we're still trying to figure some of that out 
too as we go. And yet, I can only speak from my experience and what God has taught me is that there's a there's so much healing that comes. Again, we said this, but from naming it to naming this is not what I wanted. This is not what I thought this would look like. Um, and sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for when we start out. We just know we need relief or we need a change or we just need something different. And then as we go and we start becoming that disillusion, like this isn't turning out like what I thought it would. And, and if we give time to figure out what, what was that? With honesty and curiosity, without judging ourselves or our reasons, just to truly say, this is what I had hoped for. I thought this would happen. And goodness, it doesn't look like that at all. Um, for me, what I've had to do is truly give time to grieve that, to think, um, as with grace story, as we're holding hope for families and for restoration and, um, holding hope for, for other people, as we are leading this incredible work that God has given us to steward for him. Things don't always look the same for us as as we're praying for for other people. We don't always get the same answer that someone else got. And in that moment, learning how to parallel both be, it's a both and, to both be truly grateful for someone else and what they're finding and the healing they're finding and to grieve that it doesn't look that way for us that's okay. That's just the reality of it. And, and what I've found is that God has, God has had to bring me to a point where he, he's helped me to rest in him. And I feel like I'm in a place now where I'm in a deeper relationship than I've ever been. And yet I'm learning about him for the very first time in some ways as I start to get that story straight and, and dive into the word deeper and who his character is and that this is the truth about who God is, not who's been held up for me, not who's been preached or taught or lived out imperfectly. And in those moments, I can, I can just sit before him and, and, and cry in an honest way, God, this isn't what I wanted. This is not the answer that I prayed for. This isn't what I want moving forward. I don't, I, I feel like in tw- everybody has these, these New Year's resolutions and they've got a word or something they're working on. And um, I don't necessarily do all of that, but I do feel like God has asked me this year to specifically pray for my enemies, to pray for those who have despitefully used me or who have been a part of the traumatic parts of my story. And as I shared in my church um, staff meeting, the the group there, I, I just told them, I don't want to do it. I'm still balking. After all of this time of God restoring my trust in him, of learning what it's like to discern his voice, to know this is what he's asking for me. And I don't want to do it. And yet knowing 
that if I will work over top of what feels so impossible, not just difficult, it feels impossible, what that will mean for growth in my own life with God, how that will bring me, because he's asked me to do this for a reason. And as I sat with that, Nate, what I realized is it feels like if I pray for my enemies, that I'm wishing them well, right? Like if I pray for you, I'm wishing you well. And what God is is encouraging me to understand about this is that what I'm really doing when I pray for my enemies, when I pray for those tough players in my story, is that I'm turning them over to him to hold. For him to hold vengeance or accountability or justice or whatever he sees is right. Because once again, we cannot possibly understand the bigness of his grace and what he's doing. And so I just have to play my part. And that part is my restoration journey with him. He's not asking me to work for my salvation. He is not asking me to micromanage the details. He's just saying, rest in me, rest in my goodness, rest in my sovereignty, rest in that what I'm asking you to do is for your good and my glory that I can bring good, that I can restore from this. And it may not look like what you want it to, but that I'm good. My thought on that is that, yeah, that requires uh, that sometimes when you're thinking about people you don't like, it's easier to, you know, they're on that side of the political spectrum or they're on that side of uh, the theology or whatever it may be. It's easier to dehumanize. And I don't mean, you know, doing that in a way where you could literally walk out and, you know, hurt them. I'm talking about just simply not treating them like an image bearer of God and not treating them as someone that you are the same as that has a different opinion than Mm -hmm. you, but someone who's less than who just doesn't know. They, they just don't get it. Um, if they, if they knew what I knew, if they had all the light that I have, then they would be up here with me. Um, and while that's not something you would say and may even recoil at, (laughs) No, that's not what I'm thinking. It's also something that may actually be true. Uh, and while you don't want that to be true, it just kind of is. But for the sake of time, I want well, to move in us that, into, go ahead. In that ref, in that refining process, and we will move forward, but in that refining process, we know that impurities bubble up to the surface, right? That's just part of that. And that self-righteousness that becomes uncovered like what you're just talking about, the self-righteousness of like, well, I can pity them, that less than versus same as kind of person. Um, I think that that is what God is, is, is just requires of us is to say, I've given you big grace. I have extended my mercy into your life. Who are you to know? And, and I'll, I'll just leave it with this verse, but Romans 11 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of, let me read this, but, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. And if we can remember that um, God is a God that is nearby, as Jeremiah reminds us, he's not afar off. So this is the God 
who tells us in his word that he leans to the brokenhearted, that he is near the brokenhearted. He's not just a God afar off. So if we can believe and hold, hold, even in the mess, hold hope with the fact that God is at work, not to spiritually bypass the, the stuff that we're supposed to do, the obedience we're supposed to walk in, but to trust him that he's working and that he's working on our behalf, not just for the good of other Christians, not for the good of other bringing sinners to repentance, but for us, he's working for our good. Well, and we want to talk about, like I said at the top, one of the things is setting realistic goals um, when it comes to these disillusioned times or um, times when you just, you're you're disoriented. You you don't know what's going on. Um, Like when, when our expectations don't align with reality, it's an opportunity to reassess and adjust our goals. It's not a sign of failure. Um, yeah, I think, I think unmet expectations and healing can teach us a lot about ourselves. Uh, like what we truly value, how we're going to cope with challenges. Um, so it's not something we're like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm obviously, I just need to give up. Um, that would probably be better for everyone. No, these are opportunities where we can reassess, adjust our goals, simplify, make them better. Um, so that we can keep on achieving progress because healing is more about progress than perfection. It's more about progress than completion. Um, It's more about that growth process. It's okay to just take it one step at a time. And one of those steps is setting realistic goals. So in my mind, one of those things it can be to, uh, from the business side, begin breaking down those larger goals into smaller, more achievable steps instead of walking into the counselor office and being like, or, you know, maybe you haven't even made it that far yet, but like our goal is to have a healthy marriage goal done. Boom. Let's go. Let's make it healthy. Like that, uh, that's not going to work. So maybe uh, trying to understand what is a healthy marriage would be a good goal to set. Um, You know, so what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? The implementation of, you know, that realistic goals and have you had to do anything like that? I love that we're airing this in January when everybody's setting these, these big lofty goals for a whole year. So I think no no intention (laughs) just kind of happened. Timely conversation. But, um, for all of those people who are now trying to lose the 50 pounds from, you know, the last three years of pandemic. It, we don't look at it as a 50 pound loss, right? You break it down into reasonable, winnable successes. Any dietitian, any kind of, you know, physical therapy or whatever, you're gonna, you're gonna need some wins under your belt. And so what does it look like to, instead of just saying, I am going to be a better person? How is that measurable? I'm going to be a better parent. I'm going to be more attuned to my child. Well, if you've been parenting like we have for 16 years and all of a sudden you just decide I'm going to be more attuned this year, there's a lot of habits that you're going to have to identify and rethink. So just breaking it down into manageable ideas like, okay, what is one thing that would make a difference right now um, with connecting with my child or with connecting in my relationship with God? or to being a better spouse. Um, those are pl- those are opportunities. Obviously, Grace Story Podcast is a fantastic place to become educated 
um, on this journey of restoration. But there are so many resources out there. We have some of those listed on our resource tab on the website, other podcasts listen to books for those who are building out a book list of um, that you're wanting to read this year. There's some really good resources on the website as well, but make them wins and, and don't look at it as such an overarching thing. So connecting, let me just say, like, go back to the parenting example, because I've got four kids and that's always on my mind. How do I, how do I do the best version of being a mom that I can as I'm on my own journey of trying to learn my triggers, learning what, why do I demand respect or, you know, whatever it is that's for you and, um, and your family. But for me, how do I make sure I'm not being so much of a gentle parent that I'm not getting the job done. How about having a conversation with your kids? Is it safe? Can they come to you? Can they talk to you about anything? That's something to ask with curiosity, not, not necessarily ask your kids because if you're not safe, they're probably going to be like, yes, you're safe. You're safe. Um, but to ask yourself before God, ask the Holy spirit to show you, is it safe for my kids to come to me and talk to me about anything? Um, what would it look like if, if we had a conversation that was based in honesty, whether it was my kids or my best friend, my parents, my spouse, what would that look like? Is it safe to do that? If safety and conversation, safety and authenticity, and by that, I mean, truly being honest, not harsh, honest, not passive, aggressive, honest, safety and conversation even when you go to your pastor and say, I'm struggling in this area, I have this hidden addiction and I want, I want accountability this year. If it's, if you are pushing up against, oh, I couldn't really do that. That's probably the place to start is to say, okay, if I don't feel like I can be honest with God, that this is where I am. If I can't be honest with my pastor, who's the shepherd of this, my faith community, if I can't be honest with my spouse, there's probably a little bit of work that needs to be done here. And journaling is an awesome practice. It is a good discipline. But if you can't be honest with yourself and God, are you really going to be honest with paper? Mm-hmm. So start with just asking the simple but very difficult question of, am I, am I safe enough to actually be honest? And if the, the, the answer to that is no, then it's a bigger conversation. Well, a huge, a huge part of being a safe person is empathy and kindness. Um, Not, I mean, if you can, you can have those two things, you can move towards it. And, and as we're talking about goals, setting realistic goals uh, for your healing journey, I think one of the big parts of that is to foster momentum. So setting smaller goals that can be achieved so that you will see Um, some sort of progress going on. So, I mean, if you're, if you're struggling with something and you need professional help, which is something else we completely say, seek professional help, recognize when, when a professional help uh, is needed and don't hesitate to seek it. But your goal might be for the next six to eight, maybe even 12 months, simply to show up to therapy. That is your goal. Right. Right. Your goal may be simply to once a week write down how you're feeling that day. 
That's, that's enough. It doesn't even have to be a whole page, just a sentence. So you can look back and track, oh, I do have a tendency. I, I felt neutral all year long. That's not normal. <laughs> I should yeah. be feeling something. Your, your small goal might just be finding one thing a week to practice self-compassion, which is a great segue. My next thought or the next thing you can do is actually practice self-compassion treating yourself with that kindness and understanding that empathy that you've been talking yeah. about uh, when you encounter setbacks and you aren't achieving momentum. Yeah. Well, and just to, just to kind of carry on what you were talking about there with um, putting down, how do you feel or what, what am I experiencing today? in just a word or a sentence, some, sometimes when we do that, we start realizing there's a bigger picture than, well, I'm going to blame everything I'm experiencing on trauma or I'm going to blame everything I experience on an external thing. Our physical makeup really plays into our mental health as well. And so the hormones that we're experiencing, depending on what part of life you're in, you may realize, oh, about every day, you know, for women out there, like about every 20th day of my cycle, I'm noticing... I feel very discouraged. I can prepare for that, right? Or I feel very anxious and and like the world is doom and gloom about the 14th and then about the 17th day I feel un- unstoppable. Or you may start noticing some trends. Hormones are a real thing. And um, our physiology is a real thing. And so that's why we're constantly talking about the whole person here at Grace Story. This isn't just about spiritual and what God is doing and working in your life. This is about understanding we're relational, physical, spiritual, and emotional beings. And all of those are interacting at at any given time and at all given times to inform who we are and the outlook that we see on life. Well, keeping in mind too, that, that healing is, is personal. Okay. Yes relationships are personal. And so your journey doesn't have to look like anyone else's. So we, we've talked about setting realistic goals, breaking them down into smaller goals so you can achieve momentum, practicing self-compassion. Um, and that may look a, a myriad of different things, but it needs to be tailored to you, whether that's meditating on God's word, uh, breathing exercises, practicing, uh, uh, you know, being fully present in moments, um, but then there's also creating a support network mm-hmm. and, and like you talked about acknowledging, so acknowledging your feelings of disappointment and disillusionment, that can be the first step to actually moving past them. Um, and you know, you can do that with yourself and you can talk about it in your journal, which is another thing. Go ahead and write that down. Point number five, journaling and reflective writing, but creating a support network and being open about uh, your struggles, your um, the disillusionment, that you're disoriented, things aren't matching what I want reality to be. Reality is not happening the way I want it to be. It's an alternate universe, and I'd like a different thread, please. Um, <laughs> being open yeah. about our being open about our struggles isn't weakness. It's actually like, it's a crucial step in finding the right support and moving forward. So the fourth thing we can do is actually create a support network of people that uh, have that kindness, have that empathy, 
have the emotional IQ level not to be overwhelmed by what we're going through and are able to sit with us in those moments and have, through the power of presence, just be there with us. Yeah. Um, and maybe also push back on some things we're like, hmm, have you considered? Or yeah. perhaps you should, or I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one thing that, oh goodness, is such a soapbox of mine. But when, um, when we first kind of become aware that we need to do some work, that things are off and we need to step into this, there's a tendency to find people who are like us and, and are where we are. And, um, those are called support groups. They tend to be like someone who just experienced something that's very similar to what I did. And we find camaraderie there. What can be difficult for the mo the motivation, the momentum that we're just talked about, the momentum that we're trying to build towards healing and not just sitting in the mess is that we, if we get stuck in just a support group where there's a tunnel vision towards everybody feels a little bit of like shoulder bumping shoulder. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And then what can happen is like the reverse of instead of momentum, it then becomes that reverse. You start digging down in and there can be that root of, of bitterness or that root of, of um, disgruntled that you can, you can just sit in that too long. So support, when we're talking about support system, a support network, we're saying, be honest with your, your physician, be honest with your licensed counselor, be honest with your pastor about where you're going, find the people in your life who can lift you up, not just sit with you in the mess. And so I want to make that, that distinction here that support does not always just mean getting tunnel visioned in the like-mindedness. With Grace Story Community, we talk a lot about like-mindedness. What we're referring to is those like-minded people who are in it and invested. They're ready for healing no matter what it takes. They're ready to lift you up, be a support system, but to continue to say the hard things like to, hey, you know, a little bit of pushback every now and then again. It's like, seems like maybe that's the same story you've said a lot of times. Maybe, maybe you need to go process that one. Maybe that's significant. And, and where you feel stuck, because that story just keeps coming up. So maybe that's something you, you actually need to stop band-aiding with me and you need to take to a licensed counselor and dig it out a little bit. So we're running out of time. I, and this happens every time you and I get together and talk, but whatever, we'll talk again sometime. So I, I want to run back through these and talk a, a, about a yeah. few more We'll just mention them, I guess, because we need a final thought and then, then wrap up. But we've talked about setting realistic goals, practicing self-compassion, uh, doing the, the, the support network, journaling, reflection writing. Um, but one thing that we didn't talk about was uh, amidst developing spiritual practices and discipline, uh, that goes a long way. Physical health and wellness, that goes a long way. Uh, seeking professional help, that goes a long way. But the cognitive reframing, I want to touch on that before we go, because along with all of those other things that uh, hopefully you write down and go through and be like, hey, how can I do these things well with small goals? How can I do all these things yeah. in the midst of this disillusion? Uh, 
cognitive reframing that just changing the negative thought patterns those patterns those ways that we view situations and i'm not just talking about rainbows butterflies and sugar coating uh you know like i'm talking about actually putting them in perspective um and working with someone professionally who can help to identify those negative thought patterns and practices and reframe them for you um so for example changing changing so like you might say I'll never get better or this situation will ne- never get better and instead reframing it to something uh like recovery takes time healing takes time mm-hmm. and I'm making progress each day. Yep. I'm, that's not the default because yeah. your your cognitive process of you over and yeah. over of course that happens to me. Nothing happens right. I'm a worm for such a worm as I. Let's sing it again that third verse. You know, instead finding a way to reframe yeah. and it's not being dishonest. It's a both and not an either or. I yeah. feel like things will never get better, but healing takes time and I'm making progress each day. Yeah. Um and I wow. and I would say I would say that um, that would definitely how you asked at the top of this conversation about what did my expectations look like? Um, I thought it'd be really good at that, right? That I would be able to identify those things and I would, I would put them into practice and I was invested. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it right. Um, And what I learned is that those things do feel like reality to me. Those old ways of thinking, those negative thought patterns, those felt like reality. So that felt like I was being authentic by just speaking what I thought was true. I, you know, those, those lies that I believed about myself. And, um, so I, I really had to benefit from the licensed professional counselors that God put in my life. My husband who speaks truth and being willing to listen, um, to what he was offering, um, because he is a safe individual. I know not everybody has that, but I have a safe just beautiful, beautiful man, um, that God has given me to, to, to just partner with me in this life. And so being willing to humble myself, to listen to those people who are saying, Hmm, that's not how we see it. Um, there have been times that you have Nate said, you know, I'm wondering if a reframe might be surround yourself with the people who are willing to offer you a reframe to make you better. All right, we are almost out of time here. We're probably out of time, but um, let's let's bring it around to if there there's check the show notes while you're listening here. There's some links down there. Go check out GraceStoryMinistries.com. Uh, there's more over on the blog over there, uh, and and check out the the Instagram pages, uh, the channels over there where there's lots of reels and things with snippets and and great uh, uh, perspectives from Ryan and Kathy and. Amber and all sorts of people to, for you to, to like and share and, and take in lots of free content. Um, before I let you go though, Amber, uh, I do, you know, I like to give it over to the guests for a final thought. Uh, so if there's something uh, you want to share with the great story community from Amber, what would that be? You know, I think that there's a lot of really good, holy things that we could share as we're closing out today's conversation. But I really would hope the listener would hear this. Let's put all the poetry, let's put all of the scripture verses, um, all of the 
the rah-rah motivational speeches that could be said. Let's set those aside for just a minute and acknowledge. Guys, it sinks. It is hard. It is so hard to do this work. It is hard to hold hope and lean into hope when we feel like we're serving a God who is forgotten and is, is toying with us or just whatever it is that is your narrative that you've latched onto. And so as we start this new year or whenever you're listening to this and, and God has brought this across your, this conversation across your path, I really believe he wants you to know this. I really believe he wants you to know that he is for you. He has not forgotten you. He knows your name. He knows your frame. He knows, he knows the struggle. And he does not will it. He cries with you. He is at work now on your behalf. And as we end, I just want to pray this blessing over you. Father, you know the conversation that we've had. And you know the people who are listening and who need you to show up today. And I just pray that, Father, as you have been real, as you have been real in my own journey, as you have brought me into an understanding of your goodness, even in the mess. Father, would you do that today for our Grace Story friends? As you restore them into yourself, would you help them to understand this isn't, this isn't about how you can clean them up and use them. Um, this is about how you can clean them up because you have so much good, so much good. We love you, Father, and we want to love you more. And that's really why, why we want to do this. And so today, as we close out this conversation, go with us. You have already gone before. By the time this person today is listening to this conversation, this will be already something that has happened in the past. And you have put them at this point this juncture for such a time as this. This is your surprise moments of grace, and we trust you in your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Amber, thank you for coming on uh, Grace Story Podcast and sharing with us, and uh, we know it won't be your last, um, and you'll be back, but thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, give us a follow there, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. We're always eager to hear from you, so feel free to email us with any suggestions for topics, your thoughts, uh, or feedback of any kind, nate at greatstoryministries.com. Like I say every time, There is no us without you, so get engaged, continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for a new episode. Till then, we'll be praying for you.